On May 6, 1996, two 19-year-old girls in Japan went to visit a haunted hotel and completely disappeared. Then, 25 years later, the girls were found at the bottom of the sea. How'd they end up there? And why'd it take so long to find them? I'm in Ozu City. That was the last message received from Majumi Yashiki and Narumi Takumi before they vanished off the face of the earth, but not forever. This message was sent via pager to their friends. For those of you that don't know, a pager is a device that you can send a text message in order to page someone or alert them about something. You send either a page or just your number or attached with a shorthand message, you know, that sort of thing for you Gen Zers. I'm kidding. Anyways, guys, let's get into this. There's a lot more mystery here than just pagers. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. That worked out well. I think that worked out well. I think we'll keep that take. Yeah, we'll roll with it. Yeah! Alright, let's get to the show. The girl's disappearance is shrouded in conspiracy theories and ghost stories throughout the internet. Everything from abduction by North Korean spies to a local gang kidnappings to even a lover's elopement. Megumi and Narumi's families said that they believed the girls saw the haunted destination in a magazine. Either way, the girls decided to pack up and leave Himi City and drive to Ozu City to check it out. Let me just stop right here and apologize for how many names I'm going to mispronounce and how many city names I'm going to mispronounce um, in the Japanese culture. It is nearly impossible to find good pronunciations of these words in English. I mean, damn near impossible. So, I did the best I could. So hopefully you guys can forgive me for that and see this interesting story for what it is. So, the area the girls were set to visit was an old abandoned hot springs inn known as Hotel Subono, I'm going to say. Uh, it had been a luxury hotel and spa when it first opened its doors, but it had shut down in early 1984 after the owner of the hotel disappeared, presumably to escape the financial situation and the hotel was then declared bankrupt. The hotel was sold over the years with many intentions of turning it into a luxury resort. However, it became clear that the cost of renovations and updating was really not worth the price. And with the location being so far into the secluded mountains, it was just unreasonable and so the building became abandoned. It quickly became a favorite spot for Basuzoku motorcycle gang members, juvenile runaways, and all other kinds of drifters and transients in the area. The hotel is large, and so structurally it was basically new when it shut down as well. With no security or fencing, it made it an easy home for the displaced. Over the years, ghost stories would grow out of the now cracking and seeping foundations, with rumors that the disappeared owner's ghost haunts the building, as many believe he hung himself in the building, um, though I could find no proof of this. Another story of a little boy, perhaps one who died while visiting the Hot Springs Inn while it was still operational, he had allegedly drowned in the pool and now haunts the halls. The ghost stories apparently put Hotel Subono on the map for lovers of the supernatural world and the wonders it held. As many believe the girls were headed to the hotel for a sort of challenge or a test of nerves, like staying all night in a cemetery or knocking on the door of an old dilapidated house at the end of the street that seems abandoned, but is somehow never silent. Traditionally in Japan, this custom is known as Kimo Dameshi, and that translates to English as test of liver, <laughs> so extreme alcoholism, uh, but it means a test of courage, or to be brave or self-assured, as one source put it. 
It is believed by many that the girls were on their Kimo Dameshi. They were going to travel to the haunted location at night and place a token to prove that they had been there. However, we can't know for sure why they were visiting the old hotel, but it's pretty much the best guess we have right now. And it's a pretty good one. I mean, people go and research haunted destinations and explore these dilapidated buildings all the time. So this is not something out of the ordinary. Before heading out on their trip, the girls stopped at Kaiwo Maru Park around 10 p.m. to meet up with a few friends. They informed the friends where they were headed and then headed out about 30 minutes later. The girls then stopped for gas shortly after leaving the park and they were about halfway to Ozu City. They also bought a pen light and batteries for a flashlight. So, it's looking like they're headed to Ozu, right? Then around 12 a.m., the pager message was received that I talked about in the intro by several of the girls' friends, and it simply read, I'm in Ozu City. This was the last time they were heard from. Two days later, the girls' families filed missing persons reports, and authorities began a search. They used helicopters to see if the girls had possibly fallen off some part of the mountains, but nothing was seen from the air. Even stranger, the girl's car, a black Subaru Vivio, was nowhere to be found. After arriving at the hotel and finding nothing, no proof of the girls being there, no car tracks to help, no witnesses that saw them, it was concluded by the police that the girls had just run away from home, maybe for personal reasons. Later, there were two searches conducted after they went missing, one in June, then the other in October. They started in Himai City, where the girls lived, and ended at the hotel. But for a month after they went missing, no one looked for them. And two, because the women were still considered minors, a public declaration was not made until a year later when the girls would have been 20 and considered adults. But even with the girls' case now made public and their pictures now available for everyone to see, for almost 20 years there was no clue to where the girls went. And so legends, conspiracies, and rumors grew and flew freely about you can imagine. As I mentioned before, it was widely believed that the girls were abducted and taken to North Korea. And this was not uncommon, as North Korea did admit to abducting people between 1977 and 1983, approximately. So the distrust of North Korea was still pretty damn fresh. They admitted and returned prisoners that they had kidnapped, including children. It was believed at the time that they were abducted to teach language to their spies, or so they could assume the identities of those taken. They had reason not to trust North Korea at the time, that's for sure. However, the girls were never located in North Korea, and no evidence was ever found to indicate the girls were smuggled out of the country. In 2002, Kim Jong made a public apology and statement that said, those who were responsible for the early abductions had been punished. The next most popular theory is that local bikers or gangsters may have kidnapped or even killed the girls as they found them trespassing on part of their territory. Of course, many of the local members were questioned, but again, this seemed to be a dead end. Nothing was ever found of the girls. Some believe the girls did run away, whether as a romantic couple, escaping trouble at home, or just wanting to start over again. They left willingly and on their own. They were, there were sightings over the years in different locations, but again, nothing concrete ever came of it. The girls joined the ranks of the ghosts, haunting the halls of the hotel, and to this day are still a big part of the hotel's legacy, with parents warning rebelling children to stay away from the area, lest they end up snatched by a ghost 
and gone like Majumi Hashiki and Narumi Takumi. Now, let's fast forward all the way to 2014, where mysteriously, some witnesses remembered some things. Isn't that how it goes? So many years later, and suddenly their memories just like, oh, yeah, I remember that crazy night where those girls went missing, right? I don't know how I forgot it. Yeah, none of us do. How do you? We'll get to that. Okay, so a break in the case would eventually come in the form of eyewitness testimony. As three witnesses came forward at the end of 2014 and claimed they saw a car matching the girls fall into the sea off the docks around the day the girls went missing. However, police did not do anything with this new information until January of 2020. And when they re-interviewed the witnesses, it was just a short search later, and guess what they found? The car that the girls were driving sitting at the bottom of the sea. A black Subaru Vivio was found sitting right where the witnesses said back in 2014. Now, I could not find any reason as to why this information was just passed on. Maybe the witnesses were not very credible or were using the info in a bargaining scenario in which the police felt it was just false info meant to send them on a wild goose chase. I got no freaking idea. I did read one article that said many people in the area of Japan are afraid of police. According to the article, they can detain you for up to 30 days in prison without charging you. So it may be that they were afraid of being blamed for the girls' deaths. We all know you can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. That could have been the case. But if it was, why not send an anonymous letter or something? Give the family some closure. And another question. Why did they come forward after all that time? What changed their minds? Some have mentioned that they were possibly waiting on a statute of limitations to run up. But as far as I can tell, the law wasn't retroactive, meaning it only applied to crimes committed after the statute of limitations law, which was created in 2005. So if that were the case they would still not be safe from being charged because the crime they committed was in 1996. So maybe that wasn't their reason. It may also have been that the witnesses were involved in illegal activity at the time and were not about to call the cops to the scene of their own crimes. Whatever the situation, the witnesses claimed that they saw the car with the girls sitting in it at the end of the dock. The rear of the car was towards the water. They were approaching from the front to speak to whoever was inside when the car suddenly flew into reverse and went into the water. The witnesses also claimed that they were afraid of being blamed for the accident, and that is why they didn't come forward sooner, and why they fled at the time. The car had been found not far from Kaiwo Maru Park, where the girls had met up with friends. It had driven off a dock called Fushiki Port, so it seems the girls never made it to Ozu, but it is believed that the girls did send the pager message. This just adding to the mystery. Were the girls attempting to run away? Had they made a suicide pact? Were they waiting on someone? Why did they not leave Kewo Maru Park? The girls' deaths were considered an accident, with no foul play suspected, and the witnesses' identities have never been made public. Even with the witness accounts, many believe this was a case of overreaction on possibly both parties. Meaning maybe the girls saw the approaching persons and thought trouble was afoot and attempted to flee, but didn't realize they put the car in reverse and stepped on the accelerator, sending them into the cold, dark waters. Most likely, windows up. And it is possible that the witnesses did not have noble intentions of talking to the girls. And the girls knew this, and again made a fatal mistake in an attempt to flee. But since the girls had been in the water for so long, all that was recovered was skeletal remains, and little could be concluded forensically for a cause of death. Their identities were established through DNA testing. 
It's possible the girls were dead before they entered the water. It's possible the car was put into reverse on purpose and sent into the sea to rid the world of the evidence. At this point, no one really knows. The only thing found in the car was a receipt for gas, which had Majumi Yashiki's name stamped on it. The families of Majumi Yashiki and Narumi Takumi no longer trust the police or the witnesses they provided. Majumi's father tried asking the police for the identities of the witnesses, but they denied the information, saying that they believed and trusted the witnesses. I think a very likely and overlooked scenario is that whoever the girls met at the park that night may somehow be involved. Are they witnesses? Why would the girls have driven halfway to their destination to get gas only to return to the park? It seems we may never have the answers to the questions that these girls left behind. And that is without a doubt one of the most frustrating things about this case. Right? The girls, did they even end up in Ozu City? Did they even reach the building? Because at that time, they inspected that area. They inspected the campus of the Ozu City, uh, the building, the dilapidated building. Uh, they didn't find any new fresh car tracks or anything like that that expressed that someone pulled into the area or out. Um, there was no sign of the girls there. So I think, if, if, I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm thinking that the girls panicked, put the car in reverse, and drove it off the dock. Because, hear me out, if you're going to get rid of evidence, why would you take the chance of a car going in reverse? Why not just pull the car straight onto the dock? Why was the car... Maybe they backed onto the dock to just enjoy some peaceful time together, and then someone was approaching them, and when they tried to flee, it was dark out, they forgot they were on a dock, or maybe they just put the car in reverse on accident, flew right off the dock. I don't know. Um, it's such a it's such a strange and it's creepy, it's weird, and it's weird how the police trusted and believed these witnesses in 2020, but they didn't trust them in 2014. Um, imagine how much more evidence could have been gathered six years earlier. It just seems that everyone kind of dropped the ball on this one. Uh, the friends that they met at the park didn't really uh, do their due diligence in following that up, which, why would they, right? They received a page that said their friends were in Ozu City. Cool. Um, what else do they need to know? I'm sure they were like, let us know when you get there. Their family was probably like that. Let us know when you get there, if you're going. Cool. And then that's what they did, presumably. Presumably. But let's say someone else sent the page to... to they sent the page of I'm in Ozu City for the girls to throw them off their track. Um, how did they know they were going to Ozu City? Maybe they told them. Maybe they told them in a conversation, and they did that just to kind of buy time. Because I really do think that little page, that little I'm in Ozu City, is what really delayed the police. Because it was hard evidence that the girls were there, the girls were on their own, and they were doing their own thing. They had touched base, they were okay. Um, so that page, it just, it means so much more than what it, it, it initially initially seems there's so much more importance around that and why was it sent who was it sent by um this is one of those weird cases this is almost like uh the missing in panama case that the girls that went missing in panama hiking it, it's it's there's a lot of resemblances here um or even the elisa lamb case uh where you know where she dies at cecil hotel 
there's just so many similarities to these cases where these women go off on a loan. Did they meet somebody? Did they not? Okay, they definitely ran into some people, but who were they? Nobody knows. These cases are creepy, guys. Absolutely creepy. But one thing's for sure, uh, I guess we can't blame North Korea, right? They didn't, unless they came all the way over here to drown them, but I, I doubt that. I think North Korea is more into recruiting at the time. <laughs> all right, guys, well, that's my two cents. Uh, let me know what you think. If you are in Japan, I know I have a few listeners who are in Japan. Uh, if you guys have any insight on this, any kind of update, um, anything like that, I would be extremely interested in knowing about that. And maybe I can feature it on a Strange Shorts for an update. So let me know. But uh, for now, let's check in with Lorne and see what he thinks about this, this crazy mystery in Japan. In this week's Lorne Synopsis. It's time for Lorne. It's time for Lorne Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lorne. It's time for Lorne Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Break it down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. A 25-year-old mystery from Japan involving two 19-year-old girls, Megumi Yoshiki and Nurumi Takumi, who went missing back in 1996 uh, when they were on their way to Owozo, Owozo City um, to go to an abandoned hot springs that was supposedly haunted. It, it definitely adds to this mystery and makes it much more creepy when you consider where they were going that evening, the mood that they were in. You know, they were they were headed to this haunted location and they apparently made it there. There was a text that was sent by one of them to a friend saying they had made it there um, and then... They disappeared and they were gone. They were, you know, never recovered. Their car never recovered for nearly 20 years. No one knew anything until 2014 when a few witnesses came forward to, came forward to police saying that they had witnessed something that evening. They had witnessed a car matching the description of Yashiki. Um, it was her car they were driving. And they, these witnesses said that this car had gone backwards off of a dock um, into the water on that evening. And this occurred, uh, in Kayamuro Park, which was actually on its way back. It was about the halfway point, um, between where they were heading in Owozo city and where they had come from. And so in my mind, I, I believe they made it to the hot springs. You know, maybe they, I don't think they hung around very long. Maybe there was not much to see, or maybe they were freaked out. They headed back and they stopped for rest because it was late at night at that point. Maybe they were going to sleep in the parking lot, uh, you know, along the water's edge on this uh, basically like um, shipping yard, it seemed like. Um, and there was only a little parking curb separating them from a, a wall and a, quite a drop and then the ocean. And apparently these witnesses had witnessed them uh, go backwards off of this, their car back off of this over the curb and into the water and they for whatever reason did not report this to the police they were scared they said which kind of blows me away unless there was some other element to this that you know they're not willing to say maybe they witnessed a, a third person there you know uh, a murderer or they witnessed a car push their car in i don't know to me i don't understand why you don't report it right away why it takes you until 2014 you know 20 years later 
you finally report it. And then it takes until 2020 for the police to go and actually check this location. Um, and they, right away, they pull the car out uh, with a crane and there's skeletal remains of these two young women in the car. And my, you know, the very practical side of me wants to believe this was an accident. There are accidents like this that do, can and do happen. I've seen it myself um, in parking garages in Vegas. An older couple in particular sticks out to me that accidentally put their car in reverse in a parking garage and went off like the fourth story and uh, perished. Uh, this kind of thing does happen, especially when you're tired. Um, so, that, you know, that to me is the most likely scenario, but also you can see a scenario where someone took advantage of this situation, you know, drove their car to this location, had either killed them already or killed them at this location and then pushed their car into the ocean not to be found for 24 years or whatever it is, 25 years. Um, so yeah, I can see, I can see multiple sides to this. Um, I don't understand the witnesses part of it. I think that would, I don't know how this wasn't eating at them all these years, seeing the news, seeing that there was two young women missing and knowing what they had seen. They clearly said they had seen two young women in a car and this car go off the dock into the water. And then they see the two young women were missing all these years and the families were dying to know what had happened to their daughters and their sisters. And, you know, um, to me, that just, I, I don't know how you could have lived with yourself. I don't know why they didn't report it. I don't know why they were scared. The fact that they say they were scared to report it makes me think there was something else going on here. Was there, was there another person or multiple people there at the scene that fled the scene? And that's why they were afraid to report it. Or did they have something to do with it? I don't know. I, I hope, um, this is still pretty fresh, obviously with, the bodies just haven't been discovered uh, about a year ago. Uh, maybe the police will be able to get more answers from these uh, quote-unquote witnesses um, from that night. But other, if they don't, I don't see any other way that we're going to get anything else out of this. It'll just go down as a tragic accident um, if they don't get something more out of these witnesses. So that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoy it, and see you next week. All right. Excellent synopsis as always, Lauren. Um, yeah, that's a great point about the witnesses. I just don't know how you let it eat at you. And that's what makes me think that these witnesses had much more to do with this story. It just doesn't make sense. You just don't, you just don't hold a secret like that for that long. Um, I, there's just, there's something there. They had to have been involved or maybe they were afraid of the people who were involved. Now, that's, that's another look at it as well. Um, but I think, you know, as far as DNA, as far as hard evidence, being able to tie anyone to the scene, that time is long gone. And I don't think, like Lauren says, unless someone has some sort of confession and somehow they can tie that in together. But I don't even know if that would stand up in court at this point. So, strange case, guys. Super strange case. Let me know what you think. And uh, you guys can send me an email at snu or snu podcast at gmail.com rather um at snu podcast sandu s-a-n-d-u podcast um at pretty much everything on social media if you guys want to reach out you want to talk about the case you have a case suggestion um this case was actually a suggestion from Dave a girl a longtime listener of true crime guys productions david thank you very much this was a very cool case um 
right up our alley here in Strange and Unexplained. And the next three cases I'll be doing, uh, not counting Sandu stories, um, are all suggestions. So I am I'm taking suggestions very uh, very seriously. So if you are if you've listened to this show, you got a few episodes under your belt, you kind of get the vibe. You want to uh, throw something my way? I do take those suggestions very seriously. Um, I compile a list. They go right to my writer, who is my wife, <laughs> and she begins uh, scheduling those episodes. You know where we see fit. Now, are we going to do every single suggestion? No, that's almost impossible. But I am taking your suggestions very seriously, and I got a big case coming up. Very well-known case that I have just not really wanted to tackle, but I think it's time. I've, I've had the suggestion enough now. I'm going to do it. You've all heard of it, but I don't care. I'm still going to do it um, because I want to do it my way. All right? So that's what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, I appreciate it. Like As always, I appreciate you listening, subscribing, telling your friends, all that good stuff. I appreciate when you leave a review. Um, I got a few, I got a couple new reviewers that I want to uh, give a little shout out, a little credit to. Uh, first off, Ashley Elrod left a five-star review, says, uh, Michael is great. Love his music additions to all True Crime Guys productions. I like his storytelling and mellow vibe. Lauren is awesome too, and his synopsis is always spot on. He definitely breaks it down. He sure does. Uh, keep the episodes coming and keep creeping. Join the Patreons for True Crime Guys and SNU, and you won't be disappointed. That's right, patreon.com slash SNU podcast. We'll talk more about that in a second. Another review I want to get to, okay? This was not a good review. This was actually a one-star review from Mar- Marger Marger Ruth. Marger Ruth. Um, and the title says, I love you, I love you not, I love you, I love you not. She goes on to say, I wanted to like this, I wanted to like this so bad because the material is good. Well, thank you. I just think the host doesn't have all his thoughts together. That's very true. Trips on his words all the time. Uh, very distracting. Sorry, sorry. This is this is a uh, this is a very uh, this is not a formal podcast. Okay, I'm I'm talking to you like a conversation, like a friend. Um, it's very it's very self aware uh, podcast here. I know that I am not. Um, uh, let's see who 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 am I talking about here? I know I'm not freaking case file. Okay, I don't try to be case file. If you want to hear a perfect speech, go check out that dude. He's freaking amazing. Um, but anyways, goes on to say, uh, I think he needs to leave out his personal thoughts because that becomes a side story unless you can make a personal comment and move on. Uh, I, I really do, though. I don't, I don't really go on that many tangents on this show. Uh, I think he has funny moments. Thank you. Uh, but it has been cringy, no doubt. Uh, I'm still staying local, loyal. <laughs> still staying local. I'm still staying loyal and listening if I can get through it. Whew, hang in there. Uh, the content is good. Your voice and certain comments are awesome, but your thoughts are all over the place. Get a good writer. Good luck. Okay, I want to I wanna address a few things about this real quick. Number one, you said I love you, I love you not, I love you, I love you not. And half of this was positive things, and you gave me one star. What the fuck? You don't know how to do percentages? Like, it's a two-star at least, right? Two and a half star to be exact. And you can't do that. So I, I, w- I wouldn't be mad if you rounded up or down. What, one star? You give me one star? Okay. Anyways, moving on. Um, yeah, I, I don't always have all my thoughts together. I'm not perfect. I'm learning. Um, but I'm also a very emotional and empathetic person. So sometimes that gets in the way. I will say something in the recording that I did not plan on saying at all. It didn't show up. It wasn't in the timeline. Um, I didn't think about it when I rehearsed the timeline, and sometimes I put it in there. 
I'm sorry. That's what makes my show my show. And as far as getting a good writer, I do have a good writer. And she is learning every single day, and she's getting better and better and better. Um, if you have any idea how hard it is to write for a podcast or to write at all, um, I think you would have a, a great appreciation for for anyone who would write for you. And I'm not putting all the blame on her either. Um, I look over these and I add my two cents and I change things, wordings, phrasings, cut things out, add things. Um, so we work together on that and we're working on it. Like I said, this is a new venture for me. Yes, I've been doing True Crime Guys uh, podcast for a long time, but this this is a different animal, right? And it's not going to be perfect. I don't want it to be perfect. Perfect is boring. If you want to hear perfect podcasts, there's a shit ton of them out there. Okay? So, I'm a real person. These are my real feelings, my real um, emotions that come out on the show. So, it is what it is. It is what it is. But, Marja Ruth, I love you. Okay? Thank you. Thank you for the review. Um, and I like this review. I really do. The only thing I don't understand is that you gave me one star when you gave me like half positive comments. I get the, the other stuff. I feel the same way. Um, I feel like I should have my thoughts more together. Don't say um as much. Don't be going on long tangents about bad reviews. Right, I hear you. All right, guys. It's, 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 I just wanted to address this because I do appreciate these types of reviews. Okay, I do appreciate the positive criticism, and I love everything about this review except for the fact that she just tanked my average with this one star. <laughs> but reviews don't matter. Whatever. It's like fucking whose line is it anyway, right? The reviews don't matter, and the listeners do. I don't, I don't know. Um... But thank you guys. If you do have time, go leave a review. Um, it's it's nice to read, and it's a great way to get a shout out. So, okay. And if you love the show, and you're like, I just want to step on a step beyond review. I want to do more to help the show. Patreon.com/slash/sandupodcast is the way to do it. And you guys can get links to that um, on my Instagram, on Twitter. Um, anything at S and U podcast, there is a link to true crime guys productions link tree, and you will see everything under the true crime guys umbrella there, including SNU Patreon merch, um, a link to our YouTube channel, uh, for true crime guys, all sorts of things guys is right there where you can find it so easily. So, um, but patreon.com, I want to give a big shout to two new patrons that I've gotten the last week. Um, Ashley, EE83, thank you very much, jumped on on the $5 tier, so she will get access to Sandu Stories every month, the exclusive Sandu Stories. If you guys missed the episode last week, that's why. That was Sandu Stories Chapter 4, the very first episode that was released on the Patreon platform only. And from here on out, Sandu Stories will only be on the $5 tier on Patreon. $5 and $10 tier, rather. I have a $10 tier as well, um, and that is where we will do... Uh, weekly Zoom meetings. Once we get enough people in there and we can get an established thing, I'm thinking like Sunday nights, we'll do like Zoom hangouts or maybe every other Sunday night. Let's start out every other Sunday night and then uh, we'll go from there. So every other Sunday night, we'll do Zoom hangouts on the $10 tier as well as let's be Snapchat friends, right? I love Snapchat. I like to share things on Snapchat and that is a great way to, uh, I guess, get to know me better and we can, we can be friends on Snapchat, right? It's fun. So if you are on the $10 tier um, and you want to be Snapchat friends, send me a message on Patreon with your Snapchat screen name so I know it's you, and then add me. That's all you have to do. I already have a post on Patreon with my Snapchat um, address or whatever the hell you want to call it, the link. <laughs> 
um, is up there and ready to go. So, uh, Ashley E83, and also Trinity Rodriguez jumped on on the $3 level, but she paid for the annual membership, which is pretty dope. So you get a 10% discount if you pay annually, and you don't have to worry about that pesky monthly charge, right? I, I like annual things. I like the annual memberships. Um, I have a few different ones like uh, like Canva, for instance, uh, Vimeo, uh, just different different things that I have, different Patreon accounts that I support, I like to do the yearly thing. I just think, let's get it out of the way. Let's go ahead and get it paid. Enjoy all this content. Don't have to worry about it till next year. And you get you get on, for True Crime Guys Productions, you get a 10% discount. Um, other creators can pick what they want their discount to be. Um, I thought 10% was fair. So a 10% discount if you sign up for the annual membership. All right, guys, I'm so sorry to have to bore you with all of this junk. Uh, but next week, we got a really strange case. It's a cult that's still operating in Utah, right? Of all places, of course. What is it about Utah that attracts radical religious movements? What is it? Is it the, is it the fact that they're kind of like off the grid a little bit? I know people always make like backwards jokes about Utah. Like people do it about the South too, but... It, it, it's something about Utah. They're like, oh, they got internet in Utah. Like, I hear corny jokes like that all the time. I'm like, of course they have internet. Oh, oh, you're just you're just joking. But what's behind, I guess they're so, I guess because they have a lot of old-fashioned religious beliefs in Utah, Salt Lake City, known for being like a Mormon city and whatnot. Either way, this has nothing to do with Mormons. It's way more interesting than that. Um, and I cannot wait to bring this one to you. This one was also a suggestion from a listener. So that will be next week. And then the week after that, I'm doing another suggestion of some missing children. And that is the only hint I'm giving you guys, okay? Then the week after that, we'll be Sandu Stories, Chapter 5. So, all right, guys, a lot of good stuff coming up. The True Crime Guys mixtape just came out on Spotify. If you want to check that out, uh, wherever you're listening, it came out on June 18th, so uh, 2021. So if it's after that, it is there, True Crime Guys Killer Mixtape. If you search that... If you have problems finding it, because maybe you listen to True Crime Guys on Spotify, the podcast, um, type in True Crime Guys and then hit Artist. If you go down and click Artist, then it will pull us pull our musical profile up. So it can get kind of confusing, because it's like, well, it's pulling up True Crime Guys, but it's just the podcast, right? So uh, that's a little trick in how you can find it on Spotify, but it's also um, on iTunes. You can buy the album on iTunes. Um, YouTube music, uh, TikTok. You can even use True Crime Guys intro songs on TikTok now if you want. Do all kinds of cool dances, act them out, whatever. We got some spoken word in there. You can pretend like you're Lauren if you want. I got some, I got some dialogue from Lauren on the album as well. Um, I hope you guys enjoy that. But True Crime Guys Killer Mixtape, Killer Mixtape Volume 2 is already in the works. I think I have the track list, maybe, set up. I don't know. I got like 13 songs. And I'm trying to, I'm tr- I, I might just put all 13 on there, but I'm thinking like 10 or 11 because it's a big process and, you know, the more you have, the more expensive it is and blah, 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 blah. I don't want to get into that. But anyways, guys, I appreciate your support for everything True Crime Guys Productions. And I think that's it. I think that's finally it. Take a breath, right? If you made it this far, really, you're still here after all of this shit I've been rambling about? You, you are a saint, my friend. You are a saint. I love you and thank you. And remember, be strange, just don't be a stranger, and we'll see you next week for a new Strange and Unexplained. All right, guys, see you later.